special edition Thursday taping, Dream Preview. I'm RJ Bell. I'm going to make this intro quick, succinct as some would say. We got a big announcement coming up in this part. It involves AJ Hoffman. A uh, little hint, increased participation, but it's big. So what I would say is this. We have a best bet at the end. And if that's all, and to be honest, it's McKenzie's best bet. It's probably one of the best bets I've heard this year. And I don't like saying that. Who are we kidding? I mean, he he's hard to root for, that guy. But he wants to touch the mic so bad. Like, oh, let me say something. Let me act like I'm laughing, so I'm self-deprecating. But <laughs> there you go. But <laughs> see, he couldn't stay away. But I'm telling you, this mofo came up with a brilliant idea. So if somehow you get bored with the other talk, could happen. I don't think so. Because once you hear this, what it is, you're going to want to know more about AJ. And once you know more about AJ, you're going to see, oh my gosh, he's right. It's perfect. It's a big deal. It's going to produce a lot of great content. But if not, just go to about 10 minutes left to hear this pick. But if you've heard AJ, you know how much this guy knows and has to contribute. If you haven't, listen close because you're going to know by the end of this pod. It's literally one of a kind his skill set that's the perfect fit for what we're going to do. And you know me, I don't say that kind of thing lightly. So let's get straight to it. We just recorded it with him. And here it is, and I'll talk to you next week. And yes, we got him. Now listen, I don't understand this. I'm not judging it. I'm kind of judging it, but I don't want to act like I'm judging it. A.J. Hoffman, Houston, Texas. We're recording. He's after his little show down there. Well, it's not little. It's like the leading. Now, let's get this straight, AJ. Is it when it the leading in the ratings as it has for most of the last couple years? You know, there's always the vagaries of, you know, this book or that book. But overall, your drive time show, which is during after work for most people, it's been the number one show. Is that amongst the other sports stations or yeah, is that with all the stations? No, we're never going to beat the hip hop stations or the, uh, or really the Latin music stations. Though that's the that's the kings in the castle around this market. Okay, so being in Texas, uh, is this any kind of veiled like kind of political statement when you sneer no. the Latin state? Like anything there? Because you've been known as kind of being liberal. Now you sound like you're concerned. Like where are you? It's weird. I'm I'm apolitical. Uh, <laughs> It's just it's just the facts. That's who that's who does well in this market. So. All right, but but amongst the now, how many competitive sports stations are there? Uh, there are three. And one's an ESPN, which you're on. Yes. And you're yeah. also the programming director. I am. Now that means effectively everything that goes on air is been you've decided to have that person at least as a host, not every guest, but as a host, you said. That person gets the morning. That person gets the afternoon. That kind of thing. Yes. So if you wanted, like your now show right guys, now, there's some guys I've been stuck with that were, you know they were here before me. So I'm just waiting for them to die off. Well, I think that the that our announcement might make that not really pertinent, <laughs> but we do have a big announcement, and I think you can get the hint. What I will say is this. I saw last year, a year ago, and I tentatively was looking to really make some ambitious moves with podcasting. And the first was, though the relationship was great, um, and in so many ways was even, you know, listen, any business relationship is imperfect by definition. 
because business guys usually want to get the best of it. So they're going at it. I would say this. I would recommend Podcast One to someone who was in my spot four years ago when I started with them. Net net, it was very positive. Specifically, Mike August over there, who uh, is who was my liaison, was great. And Adam Carolla, on a personal level and professional, was great. So I've said that a few times. I want to be clear. We left because my ambitions were to do something ourselves. Um, it didn't fall into place last year and I could have tried to do it half-assed but you know what they say only one chance to make a first impression I at least I heard that somehow I'm thinking deodorant but (laughs) but what I needed was someone to be the workhorse when it comes to on air but it also had to be someone that understood more than on air because there's not a full-time job on air, right? Because if the same person is hosting every show, it's like, ah, it doesn't work. And I'll be candid with you. I've known AJ for about eight years or so. Always been great on air. He has. Uh, He's gotten better, but, you know. And then when he would do my spot, it it was a hell of a challenge for him. Would you agree with that, AJ? Uh, In in some ways. Yeah. Guest, but yeah, you're a, wait, wait, a pleasant guy. You were building shows around me, dude. Let's let's be candid here for a second, right? Yeah, we have, we eventually turned your your ten minute hit into like uh, thirty two minutes. Minute. Yeah, it, it was like I, on Fox, I, I I do thirty nine minutes for the hour. This was about the same. Now I kept hearing there was money cut. I've been checking the mail, never did. But but all joking aside, it was a great segment because one, Houston's a great market. Two, we had built up fans over the time. And three, AJ and Fred Fowler, his partners, sold me. Meaning, you know, they talk about selling and wrestling. If you say, a host can tell you what to think of a guest effectively. They're not going to say it overtly. But if they have respect for the guest, they show it. If they don't, they don't. And over time, that affects how well a guest does. AJ, you've hosted a lot more guests than me. Would you agree with that? Yes. And those guys did a hell of a job of showing me respect. And that made me more engaged with the segment. And it did become a big segment. And I appreciate that. Um, All that said, a couple years ago, you took over as programming director. And to me, it was like, wow, this guy has a different gear. He's not, because let's be candid. Not talking about anyone in particular. But a lot of talent, as they call it, the guys on air are erratic mentally unstable might be another way to say it what do you think of that yeah that's probably fair. radio guys in general that's uh maybe, maybe entertainers in general but i think the less success you have typically the more erratic you are some of that is cause and some of that's effect but radio guys in general are mad at, at their career agree are mad at where they are in their career yes like everybody thinks they should be doing a bigger job than what they're doing and yes. they all want to be on tv Yes, uh, <laughs> most. Yeah, so it's like every, they got this great job where they get to talk sports all day. If it's a major market, and it's, we're not talking about your salary, AJ, but in general, a drive-time guy in the fifth or sixth, seventh market, he's making six figures, moving towards 200. That, that is, and, and guys who, like a John Kincaid that's been in Atlanta a long time, it's beyond that. They, they do very yeah. well. Absolutely. If you if you're working in a big city, you've got big ratings, you've got big ad revenue attached to you. It's, it can be a good living. And for the most part, 
those people are pissed off pretty much perpetually at their career. For, from my experience, yes. <laughs> so it's a, it's an interesting dichotomy to have things so good and, and doing so well and people being mad. You said, I don't, I'm not just going to be on air. I'm going to become an executive. How common is that to have a station have a guy on air that's instrumental, not a fill-in guy, not a utility guy, but the drive-time guy with his partner that's also the full-time, you know, effectively a full-time program director? I think it's fairly uncommon, but because I don't work for uh, an iHeart or a uh, Intercom or something like that, it was just a, an opportunity that, that they offered me and, and I was interested in, you know, I, I'm a big believer in that everybody's career has a shelf life. And in radio, you, you rarely get to choose when you, when you stop being on air. Uh, so, you know, there's, there would be a time when I would be you know, long in the tooth and I, I wouldn't be a good radio host anymore. And the goal... Uh, what age do you think that happens? Uh, it's different for everybody, but I think certainly when you get into your, your late 50s, you, you, uh, most people really start to to struggle, uh, to, to stay relevant, you know, and there's certain guys who, you know, Mike Francesa, who's, who's I don't know, he's a hundred. Uh, I think he, Mike Francesa is like maybe 64. Okay. Well, he'll let Mackenzie look that up. He'll always have a job as long as he wants it, apparently, because there's, there's ad revenue attached to him and, and the guy pulls ratings, but he also falls. Right, let's be honest. And, and, and listen, I love Michael K. Like he's at a personal level who, the main competition in drive time in New York, Michael K finally beat Francesa. I'm not saying the fact that I started doing a show right around that time had anything to do with it, but I do know this. Let me ask you this, AJ, if you're drive time, New York, and you have a guest that you value, how would maybe 445 on uh, Thursday, does that seem like that'd be a pretty good guest? Right, right, that's, right. When people are getting out of work. That's a good spot. Yeah, yeah. He happened to pick that spot for me. Maybe a coincidence. But Mr. Michael K has been great to me. I call him that as an inside joke because I kill everyone else at the station. And so, but he gets the respect and it pisses them all off because <laughs> they all want to be him. So, <laughs> but he's been great. But let's be honest, Francesca kept winning that for a long time. He did. He's 67, by the way. Okay, so not quite a hundred, but I didn't. I, I didn't want to be that. Eventually, I wanted to. When my time to get off the air came, when I stopped being relevant or stopped being relatable. So last year, and and I wanted to make sure that <laughs> yes. So I wanted to make sure that I still had a, a viable career path uh, when when that time came. So I, I'm now. How I old are you? Myself to uh, learning as much about the the other side of the business as I could. How how old are you? I'm, I'm forty. Okay, so he's worried about 20 years from now. Now I started in radio when I was 24. And that so, was in uh, Austin, Texas. In Austin, yeah. And it, it feels like it's been, you know, it feels like I've had a long, and I guess I have had a long radio career, but... You Your know, listeners start, say that too sometimes. It's been it's a I, long I, time, I, I guess. I'm aware. They'll, they'll be excited about the announcement. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, 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 I just wanted to make sure that I had a, a, a career beyond my, my airtime. Now, we'll get into AJ's background and stuff, which to me is always fascinating. And he volunteered for the service, was in there when he was 17, you know, just out of high school. Um, and again, as a guy who never went, you know, there was no draft. And for me to, you know, have a straight path to college and go to the service, it just wasn't even a consideration. 
You had bone spurs, though. No, no, no I think you're confused. Is <laughs> <laughs> graduating high school in 1988, there was no draft, so you didn't need bone spurs. <laughs> it, is, it is coincidental, though, that somehow you went to the service. And how, it, how soon into it did you have a, a, a we'll say, quote-unquote injury that, that hindered you from then on? Uh, well, I would. I Can you just answer? I graduated basic training, and then the next day I went to airborne school. And my first jump at airborne school, I, I broke both my feet. So, so how long? How long were you in the service? Four years. Four years. And the theory is, when you get out of basic training, is when they can start getting a yield from you, right? Because you're not make, getting anything for, to train you. Yeah. So it was within 24 hours of them potentially getting paid back. You said, actually, I can't, I can't do that. Exactly. <laughs> and then for four years, you continued. And right. then do, did you get any kind of pension or any benefits like a GI Bill after? Uh, I did get it. Well, I did get a GI Bill, yeah. <laughs> you did pretty well with that deal, didn't All you? Right. Okay, Bone Spurs. Okay, now... <laughs> AJ's <laughs> still learning. Don't, you know, be nice. Just be nice. I'm mostly going to be nice. I'm a give and take guy. Oh, oh, no, you're a give and see if, if they get back harder, then you stop giving. That's smart. And let's give AJ credit. I find it amazing. Anyone that's going to airborne school, I find to be a badass. You know, obviously, there's this level where you make the Rangers. You make, and those guys are bad badasses. Like, I mean, it's like, I respect it all. I'll be honest. Spencer, our new hire here, is about the least imposing fellow you're going to meet. I mean, he's, he's very mild-mannered. He's very assiduous. <laughs> and he, four years, four years he was in, uh, you know, what is that? ROTC, they call it. To me, a guy that's willing to go into ROTC, I respect that. That means, one, I could never comprehend the idea of choosing to have someone be my boss like the idea that some guy sergeant screaming at me i if i had to do it i would have done it but i wouldn't have enjoyed it and to me anyone tough you know tough enough to, to to go through that i respect him and anyone who excels in the service i respect and you look at it we got you know uh, when i heard that about spencer it made me more inclined to want to give him a shot sleepy not many Sleepy J, not many people were in both the Army and the Marines. He did one stint, and he said, I'm going to do another stint. And, and now AJ, because as we segue to the announcement, and, I, and the reason I wanted to get in your background a little bit, it's because there's a lot of on-air guys. And if I could get, uh, and I'm not saying, and I'll be candid, I think AJ is unique amongst them, and I'm using unique in its proper definition of one of a kind, because I believe to be a professional broadcaster, a guy that if he's on the mic and you never heard him before, you're never going to think, is this this guy's first day? Like, is he like a filling guy? No. Now, the better broadcaster you are, the better. But there's a certain threshold that if you reach it, he's a professional broadcaster. That his delivery, his mechanics are never going to get in the way. That's what I consider to be a professional. AJ has that for sure. Now you add in, hey, a lot of people act like they know sports betting at this point. It's become popular. It's become financially important to the media world. You hear a lot of people talking about their bets when they probably haven't ever made a bet and they don't know what a teaser is. 
AJ, as a professional broadcaster, in my opinion, is the best handicapper in this country. And I've probably talked to and know of almost every one of them. Now, is there a guy in the 78th market in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, that, that really knows sports batting? Maybe. But if he's in the 78th market, there's a reason he's there for the most part, instead of the fifth biggest market like Houston. Is that right for radio, fifth? Uh, yeah, fifth. Okay. Six. So we're talking about the major leagues. We're to, and to me, if you've heard AJ on the March Madness pod, you know. But I'm saying it's UFC. It's NFL. Of all the guys I've ever debated the NFL with on air, probably the most challenging has been AJ. Because, now one, he agrees with me a ton to the point that we were speculating how much of the dream preview was he listening to. He kept saying, not as much as you think, or not a lot. A lot of the same theories as me. But we're going to assume that's coincidental. Would you agree that, la that when we had our big contest a uh, year before last, you and I were lined up a lot? We were. And, and you're saying it's a coincidence. You're saying it's a coincidence. Well, it does. I mean, I, I can't. I can't beat you at something if we're on the same side of everything. So, it, it and you're right. I was in the lead the entire way. That yeah. is true. But somehow, what happened at the end? Uh, I think I we tied. Recall. I think we did tie. And and ties won because I was the defending champion. Uh, that, fair enough. <laughs> I retained the title. But yeah. all joking aside, this guy. It's it's one thing to pick winners over a short period of time. When you hear the analysis, you know, does this guy know what he's talking about? And in my opinion, AJ is the most knowledgeable professional broadcaster in, when it comes to sports betting in the country. And when I went again at him, because let's be honest, AJ, when I wanted to do it last year, I wanted you involved and you were early enough in your contract. And, and again, they made you sign, not made you, but it was just normal business to sign a contract. It was a situation where it wasn't viable I didn't do it. So if you really think about it, why didn't I do it last year? It was effectively because I couldn't get AJ because I knew he was the right guy for the job. Well, luckily, our announcement, and AJ, I'll let you take it from here, we're going to be able to do it. Yeah, uh, I, I'm excited to work with you. Uh, I think It's this, for the... me, AJ, for me. Let's get that straight. <laughs> okay. I'm, ah! <laughs> I, I'm joking, buddy. Go ahead. <laughs> But it is uh, it's a it's a, a project that I think is going to be new and challenging for me and some people and, and myself certainly you know it's it's good to be challenged and I, I that's why I took the program job or the program director's job when I did uh, it gave me something new to learn and I'm I'm always looking to learn new things and, and get better at new things and um, I I think that. You know, you and I have a, a, a similar vision on on what this can can turn into. So let's talk about let's talk about the vision. Um, I'll keep it broad. Let AJ give some. And again, we're not even specific yet because this is one of those things. You get the right people, you got a general direction, and then you go. Here's the general direction. Audio is bigger than ever, and it's going to get bigger and bigger. Now, why am I saying audio? It's because radio, terrestrial radio, over-the-air radio is one thing. Then you've got streaming radio or satellite radio, which is another. Because what's the difference? The number of stations, the unlimited long tail, if you want to think of it in a business sense, of a serious type thing. Um, and then you've got internet radio. Obviously, it's the longest tail. You can have as many streams as you want. And then it's moving to podcasts, which again, long tail. You can have niche 
podcast. You look at what the ringer is doing, give Bill Simmons credit. He saw it, saw podcasts, and there's a financial payoff at the end of the rainbow. So why does that matter to you? You're not going to make any money if pregame podcast sold for X. Well, what it does is for a businessman such as myself, it makes me more inclined to put resources into a field that not only is something I enjoy, but something that has a potential of a payoff. And to me, AJ, and I'll be candid, when you got a, a, a ratings leader in the sports area in a top five market in drive time who also has that executive gear. And to me, that was vital. Because if you can both be the guy behind the desk and the guy in front of the desk, you've got everything. And very few people can do that. You look at Colin Cowherd, I think a big chunk of Colin's success is he could have been an executive. Would he have been the best executive? Probably not. He's, uh, he, but he's a genius talent in front of the mic. And he's also got a businessman's perspective elsewhere. AJ is the same in that regard. And maybe that's something I'd like to have you expand on a little bit, AJ, is what have you learned from your years now as a programming director that you didn't maybe appreciate when you were pure talent? Well, I certainly learned that, you know, pairing guys is important, that, that it does, chemistry matters. Uh, that's, that's one of the things that, that I've kind of focused on is where, where, where the guys didn't have chemistry, trying to build it, and then realizing when there is no chemistry to build. Uh, and making sure that you've got guys paired that, you know, not every guy is going to be the best mechanic, uh, the, the guy who brings things like, in. Like Greeny, like Greeny's a master at that. Very good. Uh, master, and, best. And Mike and Mike, what, what made them so great was that, that Golik wasn't, he wasn't a mechanic, and he was the, he was a real analyst, a, a B chair, we call it. And Greeny was the perfect A chair. So, when you can put that together, a successful A-B team, uh, it's almost like having a, a point guard and a, and a finisher. It's, uh, it, it's a really, really important uh, thing to build. And that's one of the things that I've worked really hard on here is, is making sure the right guys are in the right positions. Let me ask you this, because I've got a theory on this that might differ from yours. When it comes to podcasts, the demands of the A, to use your terminology, chair are much less on on a radio broadcast you got hard outs you've got a lot more reads it's and, uh, or even if you don't have more reads the reads are done in real time live instead of maybe tape recorded and let's be honest the old joke is fix it in post well you can't fix it in post if it's live radio and thus any misstep can grind a show to a halt whereas in a podcast you can you know, we talk about not uh, re-recording for content, but if someone's just like says a team playing wrong and then we talk for a minute about it and it's going to mislead the audience or, you know, cause confusion, you say, okay, let's just go back a minute, boom, and you do it. In general, with a podcast, how important do you think it is to have a guy that's got the skills of an A-chair? Well, I mean, it's it's not as important as radio, I agree, but I still think that you want someone who can keep the flow of a broadcast going. And at the end of the day, the podcast is still a broadcast. You're still going to put it out as a broadcast. And you want it to have a, you want it to be smooth, you want it to flow, uh, and you want to have a direction. And that, that's the AHR's job, is to really steer it in the direction that, that you want things to go. Now, at your level, and again, people are going to be shocked at this. And correct me if I'm wrong. You and Fred Fowler, it's been about 10 years? 
11 years. 11 years. And Fred's Almost done stuff. Unheard of. Say it again. Almost unheard of to have two hosts together for 11 years. It doesn't happen very often. Well, Fred says him as the A-chair, that was very important and that that kept the cohesion. Uh, I don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, that, that's it's important. And, uh, you know, it's it, our boss, Dave Tepper, one time brought us in and said, listen, Fred, your job is to, to set things up and it's AJ's job to hit it. And that when, when we really figured out those roles, that's when our show started to, uh, to be a success. Now, did you try to, like, when you guys would, again, some of it's bringing it in, going out, the reads. You know, like when me and Jonas are on air, it is an extreme case of, you know, initially, and Jonas has grown into having even a bigger role. But initially it was like we thought of him like an announcer. It was almost like an Ed McMahon where it wasn't so much he was part of the conversation he was bringing it in uh, he's evolved past that and and through his own quality of work but did you think about wanting to get reps like i when jonas is out i always i'm challenged by that but i like it in a way because it allows me to do things i don't typically have to do and one of the things i told jonas from the start because you know it was my decision was i want to bring it in i want to take it out but when I take it out, I do the tease, and he'll do the, you know, uh, if there's any reads at the end. So it, it allows me to have a crutch, but I wanted to get the reps because, hey, if I'm not going to get them now on national radio, I'm never going to get them. I think it's helped me a lot. Uh, did you – I as much as I've been on your show, I don't listen to the stream and all that. How much of that were you cognizant of you wanted to get the reps even though Fred was the more natural way? Well, I was an A-chair on my show in Austin. And how long did that go? Uh, six years. Okay. Same so, host or same co-host? No, I had a, a couple of different co-hosts. Oh, so we're saying Fred is the guy. So your history says divorce, 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 long relationship. The one theme here is Fred had the long relationship. That's it. Okay. Uh, the opposite of our personal lives. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you're still young. Let's not be celebrating too soon. I've got time. I've got time. Oh, I, I don't know if I've got time to catch up with Fred. <laughs> few do, few do. Hafner. So, so you figured you didn't need that. Did it feel funny not to be the A chair initially? Uh, no, because I in, earlier in my career I had been a B chair, and that's where I thrived. Um, and it, it's just it's. When we use A chair and B chair, it sounds like one has more prestige, but it, it, that's really not the case. I mean, if anything, the B's show more personality. Yeah, you're, the B chair is the personality chair, and that's that's where I really belong. Uh, so having someone like well, why Fred, are you hiding that personality at this point on this uh, show? Well, because you're the B chair now. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to come up with new, new terminology. I can see that, right? I never got any B's. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, that's interesting because I actually, you know, we haven't talked about this. I kind of feel like a good, like a podcast. Huh. You know, here's where my head's at. The way we do the podcast now, the weekly, an A chair wouldn't work, meaning that type, a greenie wouldn't work. There's just not enough to do. And we don't want that. We want it to be a conversation. But one of the things we're going to do with our new shows is have a dedicated, and we haven't finalized this yet, 
but like a 12 uh, like a 12 to 15 minute daily pod that AJ would probably be hosting most days and it'd be like kind of like a Vegas recap of the day like what happened in Vegas and Pro Football Focus has done this with their daily show where it's they make it like 10 minutes and the theory is you get it by 5 a.m. it's out Eastern it's a recap of the night before it's a look ahead but it's a commute kind of thing on your commute and a couple other shows do that too you know that I'm aware of and I think that is interesting that being so condensed I also think that for the NFL we should have an you know we played with it last year it never happened because you know the shows go long an hour of power if you're a casual fan and you want to get the best hour in sports betting at least that would be our aspirations it's perfect for you then there's a addendum pod or, or companion pod that's a deeper dive that might be another two hours but you can choose to get into that or not but by separating out the meat and maybe that's the ticket aj is the stuff that's a conversation we keep it as a conversation but the stuff that we're aspiring to be a condensed even if it's an hour that that the a chair's role becomes more important there because i don't think it, they, it really applies if it's more freewheeling what do you think? I'm with you. Yeah. So it sounds like the hour of power, AJ is going to have to be able to like tap on his watch. I don't love it, but since he is a former MMA fighter, I'm going to probably have to just, you know, agree. Not just because we agree that that would work best, but just because the, the threat of violence is what does it. Well, AJ, you're the one that's established that, not me. Okay. I mean, remember when you had our head of sales, Tom? And you were threatening, he, he was with Tom one night at the, uh, <laughs> my good buddy George is sitting and listening to the pod, is he was at the MGM one night with us, and he was drunk. I don't know, family trouble, whatever, he was drinking. <laughs> and, at one, and at one point, he goes, <laughs> he goes, you know, Tom, no, I actually said this, but once he heard it, he liked it. I go, you know, because Tom was acting like he wasn't scared. You know, AJ, how tall are you? 6'3". Yeah, and he did fight in the MMA. You know, he, he's 1-0. I've never heard of a guy that goes 1-0 as a professional and quits. But I guess he knew. And I go, he could put... He's, you know, he's got big mitts. He goes, he could put his hand and suffocate you right here in your chair. You wouldn't even be able to get away. Like, just guys stop his breathing. And Tom started thinking about that. I think it struck a chord with him because he acted much more docile out there. You remember that, AJ? I do remember. I'll never forget you. Uh, you asked me if, if if I didn't know what Tom did, what, just based on his appearance, what job would I think he had? Do you remember what I said? I, I I remember the question. And the funny thing is, he had a haircut like Hitler at this point. Literally, if he would have went in with a picture of Hitler and said, "I want th the Hitler," <laughs> it would have been that haircut. But I don't remember this one exactly. Go ahead. I, I said, he looks like he manages the produce department at a grocery store. <laughs> yeah, and then we kept going, and not even Whole Foods. Like a, like, wow. like an off-brand. Yeah. That is one of the great lines, actually. I forgot. I'm so happy you reminded me of that. Does that sound right or not? Tom's excited about it, too. He, he's glad that we're bringing that back up. <laughs> he's not. But listen, it's probably the most exciting thing that happened to him in the last five years. So... All right, so just to be clear, AJ's moving his family up to New or uh, up from Houston to Vegas. He'll be in the office full time. I mean, I like office hours, 
And we, I was thinking about getting a punch clock, but we'll see about that. And, you know, he's got two kids. This is a big deal. It's, it's not a little side gig. It's not. And I promise you, when I look at the budget, it's not a side gig. It's a big deal. And what, what we can promise you is this. There's going to be more podcasts. We're not going to throw spaghetti against the wall. At least initially, I want to get it right. So what I'm thinking is, is it going to be two or three new ones? I don't know. Probably. It won't be one. It'll be more than that. But it's not going to be eight. Now, how many are we going to have in a year? As many as possible. You know why? Because the criteria is going to be this is good. This can get ratings. This adds to the conversation. Anything like that, we do it. If it doesn't, we don't. So I would say whatever this ends up being, that at least 50%, if not more, is going to be AJ. AJ is going to be whatever the technical vice president, executive, blah, 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 of the pregame podcast. He will have that role, which is not just in front of the mic, but the behind the mic, business development, talent relations, all of it. And the less I'm dealing with people, the better. Because um, let's be honest, if I, I really do have affection for my audience, if it's behind the scenes in its business, just take away all the fun or 80% of the fun and add the, the, the uh, difficult, discerning fellow, that's what it is. And you know what? I don't know how else to be. I think part of it is some of the greatness of what we do is driven by that. Some of it's hard to deal with over the long term. And I get it. To have someone like AJ who's uh, also cares about quality, but better at, you know, I would call it the BS of like, hey, let's act like something's not the case for a couple days and then let them figure it out themselves. But there's a reason I'm not a great manager. And I think AJ, who, let's be honest, was a tr- in a way was a, an employee that caused trouble when you were pure talent. I think you've kind of gained some understanding of how to deal with those types. And let's be honest, a lot of talent is volatile. And if you have the right person to manage them, you can get people you couldn't get otherwise. I think this was the honestly the job you were your whole career has led up to this because I think all the things you've done as a lead in Austin, as a B chair, as you say in Houston, as a guy who now has that executive experience, but also someone that had to enter or it was a good choice for you to enter the service because you grew up hard scrabbled, as I certainly did, is I think that gives us a kinship and in, in a singularity of general view. You know, this literally was delayed for a year to get them, and we didn't know we'd get them. It was just worth it to have a chance at it. I'm excited. Take as long as you want to finish up, but I just wanted to be clear. It's not my, RJ's assistant. This is a guy that in front of the mic can hold his own. He doesn't know as much sports betting as me, but almost. We'll see. We'll see have a chance to explore that but he's a better broadcaster as a pure broadcaster he's better and it doesn't even matter in that he's gonna have his shows i'll have what i'm doing we'll do some stuff together and that will be especially fun i don't think i've ever met anyone better suited for the multi-facets of this and again broadcasting sports betting expertise executive experience and talent relations those are four vital things, and you got to be willing to work. Five. Those five qualities I've never seen in another person in this industry. AJ has them. I'm super excited. Wrap it up, my man. Well, I appreciate those words, man. I, I'm excited as well. I think that we are going to do some big things 
Uh, and I, I honestly, I, it would have taken the perfect opportunity for me to leave the job I have now here. This is a, you know, I've got family here. Uh, I, I've got a, a very safe and comfortable job here. Uh, I'm, I'm paid pretty handsomely here. Oh, I know but, about that. What came what came across is this opportunity, which I, I think is a, a the perfect opportunity for me. And uh, you know, when I was out there, we talked, and I, I've I've gotten offers to leave before and past, and uh, this this project is just too exciting to pass on. So I, I'm I'm thrilled to be to get out there uh, later this summer. And and, and I and I want to be clear about one thing. And I mean, this feels like something that. <sighs> You know, is like, is, was AJ getting shoved out? You know, it's like, I can't speak to the inner workings of things, um, but I know from what you've said and, and, and from the objective truths, uh, but maybe take a minute with it, is in general, it, there was no end to the radio show that you have with Fred in that it was like, hey guys, uh, you know, October is going to be your last show. And again, the ratings over any course of time if you look at it, have been outstanding. And it strikes me that, that you're, you were just getting better and more appreciated as a PD. I mean, this was you saying there's a big opportunity. This wasn't things were dying on the vine in Houston at all. No, things are good here. My, my show makes a lot of money for this, for this place. So uh, it was, it, it was a, a, a situation where my bosses here understand what a, a unique and, and special opportunity this is. Uh, and they're sad to see me go, but yeah, I, I was, uh, uh, until we decided to do this, I had planned on being here for, for the foreseeable future and, and they planned on having me here for the foreseeable future. So, uh, it's rare in this business that you get to, you, you get to go out on your own terms, uh, it really for, not just from a job, but from, from radio in general, which I am in, essentially walking away from radio to work on this project with you. Uh, radio guys rarely walk away on, on their own accord. So I'm, I'm glad I get the opportunity to pick my time to go and for the right reason. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. And I do, and obviously, if there's ever going to be an AJ Love show, it's going to be this one. But I will say this. I was very impressed that when you told them just recently that they weren't mad. Because I'll tell you this, as a guy who, quite frankly, often or... In almost every role, I'm going to be the business guy, though I guess with Fox, I'm the talent. But when you got someone that's doing a hell of a job and you and there's always trouble somewhere, you're always trying to fill some spot. There's always some person that's not doing what they're supposed to or you can't find the right person. If you got someone that's covering a job, the last thing you want is that disrupted because it's like, oh, he works hard. He, you know, he's doing more than his job. That guy you want to keep no matter what. And if they do want to leave, there's an emotional like, oh, my God, I got another thing to worry about. The fact that you've been that rock solid PD, tell them you're leaving and them being supportive to the point that we're going to look to do things with the national. You know, they've got the national feed that the uh, it's David Gal, right? The Gal yes. Media. And, you know, that's something Friday and I did a show a couple years ago that we had an hour on, I think, Tuesday night. It, the fact that you're leaving on those terms where we're talking about such things tended to, you know, very broadly right now, to me, that says a lot about how much you did deliver. So, you know, up to this point with your, the current gig. Well, I, I, I like to, th I, I pride myself in working hard and doing a good job. And I, and I think they were, 
they were happy with me. But one thing I'll say about about David Gao is he's a big believer in people doing what's best for themselves. And he if they're if your job here can launch you into a better opportunity, he's happy for you. And it's it's good to have a person like that that you're working for because everybody's goal should be to have success together. And David was thrilled for me to get this opportunity. And, and uh, he, now you didn't you know, win an Oscar here. I mean, this is like an Oscar speech. Oh, I'm going too long. Ah, hey, real quick. Did you, I don't remember because I swear, cause I didn't bet it. It was just too much happening at the end of the week. How did your UFC pick do? I did the, the pick I gave for uh, straight out of Vegas lost. Oh, you, you know, when you won that there. pick you, the week before, you texted me like four times. No I text on this true. one. That's not true. <laughs> but we did. You did talk. We called each other on the uh, the Oliveira fight. Yeah. And I I had a hard time picking it unbiased because Charles was my teammate for a long time. Oh, uh, you said I, you thought it'd go short, and but remember, Matty Hold had he had the winner, right? That's what we talk winners here. Not listen, it was, it was in my pregame package. <laughs> well, listen, package. your UFC's done exceptionally well over the years, and we'll be ramping up all offerings with AJ. And I got one. Well, last thing quickly is we're gonna try every pod between now. You'll be in Vegas early August, so we've got what nine, ten weeks, uh, I guess ten or so. We're going to try to have you on every podcast in one way or another. We're actually going to get you a professional setup here. This, he did, let, let me just say this to close. Get off that dirt road, baby, and get on that super highway. It's time to embrace technology. I'll do my best. AJ Hoffman, soon to be, pregame.com, or pregame podcast is, I think, what we're going to go with, which I like the alliteration there. I'm excited. It's going to be a challenge. And it's something to live up to. What I can tell you as a businessman, when you have a big expenditure on that ledger for HR, you make sure that person is empowered. You make sure they got what they need. They got the assistance they need because otherwise you're throwing money away. There's nothing to get me engaged with something than a big old uh, credit, I guess. Or, uh, yeah, I always confuse that. I, a finance degree, debit credit. But still, <laughs> I think we're, uh, you're going to have my attention, AJ. We, we know that much. Well, I, I expect to, uh, and I, I, I'm, I believe that you're going to put everything into this as well. So, well, not everything, but a lot, a lot. If, if I, I'll be honest, gotta leave a little bit for the family. If I didn't believe in your level of commitment to this thing, I, I wouldn't have done it. So, well, I, no I, doubt, no I, doubt. I believe you are uh, as excited about this. And you know, to me, here's the thing: a guy like Fezzik, who knows his sports batting, I mean, obviously. To some degree, not having another professional broadcaster made it where at times, listen, I've been hard on Fezzik, no doubt. It's always felt justified. I think sometimes it's come across as harsher than I've meant it. And you know what? Part of that was, I think, me not understanding that though this has come naturally to me, the the broadcasting side, I started as a guest and it's just been that progression. It's not natural to everyone. And I do care so much about what I do. When it gets screwed up, I, I get upset. Now I can say, oh, it's for the fans. It is. But it's also for me, the way I look at myself and how important it is to do something I'm proud of, to have people like Fez get a chance to be more of what they naturally are, that means we should be able to get the best of those people 
And, uh, you know, to me, that's important because net net it is about what the audience gets or the readers, you know, everyone that consumes the content. So I'm excited about that, but I'm excited at a personal level to be challenged on air with another broadcaster, not the debate about the sports betting that will be there for sure. But just to say, Hey, he did that better than me. I want to do better to, to live up to that or to achieve that. I think it's going to, there's going to be a lot of kind of two plus two equals five with this. But it's easy to say it, but we're going to show it to you. Just don't think it's going to be some massive, you know, $5 million roll. It's not about that. It's going to be about having the ambition to find people that not obviously should be on a podcast necessarily, or at least a gambling podcast, to find the people that we can put together and aggregate in a way that the whole the end product is something you didn't expect. But it was better than you expected. And, and I think we're going to have more offerings for sure in the fall. And then from there, even more. But we're going to be modest. And we're not going to be afraid to take chances. You might think, oh, RJ, you're paying AJ a good bet. Maybe you're going to get conservative. No, I'd rather have three rolls of the dice and take a five to one long shot each time than one roll at an 80% chance of succeeding. Because the first one succeeding or not doesn't matter. Maybe we do the Vegas AM thing we're thinking of, and it fails. Hey, I'm going to take another shot and another shot because I know I've got the, or I feel very strongly I got the right person. All right, AJ. So um, last thing, any any just thoughts on the NBA playoffs? Anything jump out at you? Uh, you know, any? Imagine you're a guest. What's your takeaways from the playing game? Like, give me a brain dump. Uh, the the Grizzlies not covering that game last night is almost an embarrassment uh and i i'm i, I don't bet the nba very often because of things so, so give the scenario the, the grizzlies are up uh you know it seemed like 80 to 1 uh in the in the first half and somehow not only end up behind uh but they end up winning the game and failing to cover which was just vile and so i'm confused when you, when you're so the grizzlies like when you say eighty to one, like we actually try to delve into facts here. So like, I, what, I don't know what the, the highest margin of lead was. I think it was like 32, 34, 32 13. To 34, 30, I was gonna say thirty-two, eleven. So close. It was it was a twenty-one point lead in the first half. And who was leading? The Grizzlies were leading. All right. So you're saying in the NBA, a team that was trailing came back. They did. Now that's not that surprising, is it? Uh, it kind of surprised when you think about the Spurs who can't they can't shoot threes to save their lives yet somehow they're able to come back from that kind of a deficit but Popovich has a tenacious team man they, they keep fighting when they're down also maybe the Grizzlies just aren't that good well you're gonna have a chance to see here because tomorrow hey let me give you a theory I had on the radio show and you're kind of a, not a conspiracy guy but you're open-minded that everything's not always what it seems do you think the NBA historically under David Stern ever cared about uh, extending series enough that they attempted to manipulate the games? Oh, I mean, I'd like to say no, but I also understand how big for business. Like if the Lakers lost two games in a row, that's that's terrible for business. Okay, so, and let's say that I do want to divide up the David Stern era with the silk because remember stern came in when that league was in trouble and you kind of have that tenacious mentality of like hey we do what we got to do for the business 
you know, the famous rumors about the 85 frozen envelope and such. Yeah. I don't know how if that's true, but I know that it wouldn't be shocking that a league that wasn't that long ago on tape delay on the finals would do what it takes to get Patrick Ewing into a major market. I, that would not be crazy to me. It's not crazy. The question is, when it went from Stern to Silver, and there's billions now, and there's so much more, uh, everyone's taping everything. Who knows in any meeting what's being taped? The idea that uh, of Stern doing it, I think, is much more likely than Silver. But let's go back to my original question. Do you believe, yes or no, that manipulation happened in the Stern era? I won't. I, well, I can't say factually. Yeah, I understand. That's why I'm saying. What's your opinion? My opinion is probably. I don't. Know I think so. I don't know if it's to the extent of like, hey, this team has to win. Figure out a way to make it happen. But I could see there being nudges, and particularly when it comes to draft lotteries and things like that. I think now the business is so crazy, and it's so it, it's so much easier to be caught doing this stuff that the the reward is not worth the risk anymore. I agree, but let's define what the risk is in the following scenario, because I'm gonna give some credit to Mackenzie Rivers. It's not like often Mackenzie says anything I haven't thought of long before. Would you say that's true, Mackenzie? <laughs> you usually are ahead of the curb. Yeah. Man, let's, usually? Come on. <laughs> All right. I'm not talking about his personal life or whatever, like, oh, wait a minute. A rope around my neck? What? Like, not that kind of stuff. <laughs> but how does that work? It's the, <laughs> it's the idea of, hey, we're analyzing a game. Hey, here's an angle. It might have been his greatest brilliance, the following. And I'll let him give the pick. But let me propose the following to you, Mr. A.J. Hoffman. Not as famous as Mr. Michael K. No. Here's a way to manipulate an outcome. Why didn't you hire Michael K for this job, by the way? Because he's the Yankees announcer. <laughs> Just, you know, matching that salary. And he doesn't do, he doesn't gamble. <laughs> I don't even think he'd listen to the whole pitch. He'd, he'd probably walk out without even saying anything. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome back to the Michael K Show. One of our more popular segments coming up. We get to talk to the great, knowledgeable, all-knowing R.J. Belt. And R.J. will tell us where we should put our money this coming weekend. R.J., how you doing? You know something? There's two kinds of people, Michael. One would hear a legend say that and think, isn't it wonderful? I'm among the most popular guests. I'm not like that. I'm thinking, who could be above me? Probably Steve Young's above you. I see that. Trey Wingo's a real solid guest. Van Gundy is very good. I'd say you're fourth. I'll take it. All right. So here, no, he, he's he, he's actually been great. But again, I'd walk out if I was him. So here's my question, though. Certain referees ref basketball games certain ways. Some are affected by the home crowd more. Some call more fouls down low. Some call more fouls out above. Others don't call as many in either spots. Thus, there are certain kinds of teams, oh, like the home team that is going to benefit from a ref that's affected by the crowd. Because when the crowd's cheering, they call more fouls. Oh, look, the crowd thought that was a foul. That must have been a foul. Statistically, some over the long term, some refs are affected by that. Isn't it interesting that the NBA doesn't decide who's going to be refing all seven games before a series begins? Based on what they need, perhaps that's why they decide, or at least historically that's what they've done. Teams up 2-0, other teams going home, down 0-2. Now, 
You get the ref, the crowd rattles him a little bit. Do you, that seems like the perfect way that David Stern could dictate or at least affect the outcomes without another person in the world even knowing he was doing it. Yeah. Have you ever contemplated that? I've never thought of that. You're going to learn a lot with me, AJ. A lot. I cannot wait. You, you, want, you need us to stop and take notes or you can remember? I'll remember. All right. Now, <laughs> he's got a little pissed off look on his face, doesn't he? Yeah. So now, now he's trying to fake a smile. Now, here's the thing. How would they do that with the Grizzlies? All right. Against the Warriors. Who do they want? Let me think. I don't know. Steph? Of course. Okay. So what do you do? Well, the Grizzlies, here's my theory. And Mackenzie says, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to go over the top on this one. But here was the theory. I was going to say Vancouver. Memphis is a big team, like the Lakers, which causes trouble for Steph and the boys. My thinking is, how do you hurt a big physical team like that? Well, in the old days, you'd have a real loose ref that didn't call foul, so they could dominate you on defense. But the Warriors aren't going inside for any defense. They're shooting threes. The question is, can Memphis punish them on the other end of the floor with their inside play? So what do you do? You have a ref that doesn't call a lot, or refs, ideally. And now Draymond's going to be able to keep his arm in their back. When they double, they strip down on the ball. And lo and behold, three calls that say that go a certain way in the game, one way instead of the other, has a huge influence on it, and no one's going to know it. And I think that is a way, perhaps, that Golden State gets an edge in this game. What do you generally think about that? I think that's reasonable. I, I also think that, I, I don't know the, how much help the Warriors need, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're four-point favorites, so it means they're a little better than 50% to win the game. They need help. Okay. Right? I mean, if they can take it from 60% to 72%, that helps, certainly. That helps. Now, you might think, well, that, hey, I'm looking at Golden State. That's what I was thinking. But now, because AJ hates this song, I'm going to play Blossom and then let Mackenzie give his pick and then see what AJ thinks of it. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece. This is the best pick McKenzie's probably ever going to have in his life. Go. We are going Draymond Green over two and a half steals and blocks. He just had six against the Lakers. We know he gets pepped up for these playoff games. To me, that's the key to this. Even if we're wrong about the refs, Draymond's number and the over, what's it, minus 140 to the over? Yeah, minus 140. The over is being based upon how he's played this year. And what we know is Draymond's effort level, his intensity level, has varied this year by his own admission. So now you've got an elimination game. Now people, he goes, I don't care about the play. And yeah, he didn't care in February to worry about, is he in the, but he cares about being eliminated, not even making the playoffs effectively. So I think that even if we didn't have the refs, this is a good pick. And the ref end of it is a free roll. Finish up. That's exactly right. It's it just, I mean, we should expect him to get two, over two and a half blocks of rebounds anyway, blocks and steals, sorry. 
Yeah, just be clear, blocks and steals. That one foul that they don't call that makes this from a 57% bet, in my opinion, to whoa, 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 whoa. That's not... It wasn't 57. Come on, get... If you hit 57, you're going to retire. Well, it's 140. So even if it's correctly priced, oh, it's 57. Oh, okay, okay. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and I think it's much higher. Yeah. So I think, would I bet this without the ref angle? Eh, maybe. But so let's say that it's uh, ROI is 1% in theory uh, without the ref angle. And I think the ref angle gives us a free roll. AJ, what do you think? I think that's solid. I, I, I always think back to the game seven that the, that the Warriors ended up losing uh, when they lost to the, the Cavs in the finals. And Draymond Green literally leaving it all on the floor and having just a, a, a trip, uh, nearing a triple double in that game. He had something like 15 rebounds and nine assists, 30 something points, just played the game of his life. This is basically a game seven. Uh, so I, I would expect to see a, a really good version of Draymond Green. So I, I think that's a good bet. I wonder if these odds are even considering the fact that if you're playing a team that has post players that score from the post, that a guy like Draymond is going to be looking to double more, that's going to be looking to strip the ball more, that in general just the style of play would lend itself to more of this, blocks and steals. Yeah, one factor I didn't even mention, the Grizzlies are number one points in the paint, top 10 in getting blocked per game. So well, you helps. didn't mention because you didn't know. Until you, until you mentioned it. Exactly. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, he's got this like deep seven minute handicap that he's only un unveiling to us as it's appropriate. So AJ, if you want to bet that man, go ahead. Well, I appreciate the insight. What, I mean, I mean, is that a, is that a bet level? Like, you know, if I said, Hey, I'm putting X on this, do you want to jump on? Would you jump on? Right. Do you like no, it that much? Because I've put $0 on any NBA games this year, and I, I plan on continuing that. So NBA is not your – you love college basketball. I love college basketball. The NBA is my kryptonite. I'm, I'm one of those people who knows what I can win at and what I can't, and I've, I haven't bet an NBA game or an MLB game in over two years. Is it true that you watch North Texas scrimmages on, on like a, 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 an outlaw feed? No, I do not. Okay. All right. AJ Hoffman, everyone, he'll be back next week, and he'll be in Vegas in August. We're excited. Thank you. And, AJ, we're going to actually get you a mic. I can't wait. Big deal. Get on that. Get off that dirt road, baby. Thank you, AJ. All right, boys. Talk to you. It's exciting. We'll get, have more details. Talk to you next week.